Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Tripping Up, a comedy travel podcast. I'm your host, Nina Clapperton, founder of the travel blog, ninaoutandabout.ca. Tripping Up is a show all about celebrating travel, even the times when things go wrong. Join me every other week as I speak to a guest about their funny tripping up travel stories and share a few of my own. I'm so excited to be starting my first podcast after years of being a fully-fledged podcast addict. Tripping Up came from my love of podcasts, my love of travel, and my kind of addiction to learning about other people's stories. I really hope you enjoy it and the fascinating slate of guests that I've got lined up for you. Unfortunately, recording for season one was impacted by the coronavirus. I apologize for the lowered sound quality, but for the safety of guests and myself, we had to remain isolated and record via video calls, which means that there's a beautiful podcast studio out there sitting empty with all the microphones I wish I could be using. Please forgive the lowered audio quality and fingers crossed the pandemic is over before season two begins. Our first guest is Wasim Mahmood, a former British BBC producer with a fascinating history. Wasim developed a number of incredible media services to assist nations in overcoming violent extremism, communism, and the fall of the Taliban. One of his significant efforts was setting up the first uncensored radio station in Kabul. He later wrote Good Morning Afghanistan about his efforts. Wasim was awarded an Order of the British Empire in 2005 for his work in post-war countries' media reconstruction. He is full of brilliant insights and very funny stories that I really can't wait for you to hear. So no more waiting. This is Wasim Mahmood on Tripping Up. Now boarding. Hi, Wasim, and welcome to Tripping Up Podcast. It's lovely to have you here. It's my pleasure, Nina. My pleasure. So today we're going to talk about your travel and some of uh, kind of the things that you've done in your life. I understand your travel is pretty different, so it'll be interesting to get your insights. Um, so why don't you tell our listeners a bit about how you travel and uh, your history with travel? 
Oh God, uh, my most of my travel, most of my travel has been work related. Um, in fact, uh, you know, uh, when one comes to holidays, one almost invariably wants to spend them at home uh, doing boring <laughs> things around the house. You know, you know, at, I remember at one point, for example, uh, I spent about th- uh, six weeks stuck in Afghanistan. And I came back for a holiday. And the one thing I really, really wanted to do was to go around Tesco's. You know, know, so a weekly shop became a luxury, you know. Uh, It's just, just, you know, it just changes your perspective. And my, my unfortunate or fortunate um, thing is that I've been able to travel, um, you know, to all these uh, wonderful places that other people might not necessarily get the opportunity to travel to. I think I'm really fortunate. I mean, having specialized in sort of reconstruction of media post-war, um, I've sort of ended up in, you know, all the glamorous locations over the last few uh, decades, you know, like um, I've done work in Bosnia, in Kosovo, in Afghanistan. I spent a lot of time there. Iraq. I spent time in Syria, Lebanon, you know, uh, Pakistan, uh, you know, uh, Nigeria. I mean, wherever there's sort of been trouble, uh, you can expect I've been there some sometime. <laughs> I, let me t- let me tell you actually a, 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 a sort of funny story related to that. Um, around about 2005, I decided to hang up the flak jacket. I mean, the family had decided that look enough is enough. You cannot be going into war zones for the rest of your life. This is enough. So I took a posting in Amman in Jordan. And on the day we arrived, uh, well, it was uh, a family posting for a change. So my wife was able to join me. So on the day we arrived, I was invited to a dinner at uh, the Radisson in, um, in Amman. And uh, it was a formal dinner because it was um, the donor, uh, the Danish foreign minister was there and invited us. My wife threw a hissy fit uh, saying that, uh, saying that, um, hey, you didn't tell me that there was going to be any formal dinner. So I am totally unprepared. So please delay this by 24 hours so I can go out and buy something. And so we went out and we were buying something and suddenly a load of sirens go off and chaos ensues. And we make our way to a cafe and see CNN and three bombs have gone off in hotels around um, Amman. And one of them in the actual restaurant that we were going to be, uh, we were going to be um, uh, eating in that day. And the, but you know, the funny thing about it is that my dear boss rings me, uh, you know, not concerned about how I am, but says, So what do I deduce from this, Wasim? Either one of two things. It's either you're behind all of this, or, <laughs> or it's you thereafter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you, know, uh, you know what? It's, uh, you learn to find. Uh, because it's such a tense situation you find yourself in, you can only but laugh at these sort of things, you know? Of course. Yeah, I think there's always, it's better to laugh at the tension of life than to kind of dwell in it and get bogged down by it. And I'd imagine that you couldn't do the job that you did if you didn't find humor. Not at all. Not at all. You've got to find those, you know, uh, I mean, uh, in the book, 
not that I want to plug it. I talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I talk about it. Feel free. <laughs> uh, I talk about a lot about what we call mission madness, you know, because when you're on mission with friends, the slightest thing uh, triggers laughter, you know. It's just, you just have to, it's just, you release it. I mean, you know, there was um, uh, the one that I remember particularly is that um, we'd heard about um, a story that um, uh, in Afghanistan that these shepherd boys were driving these uh, sheep and goats into minefields. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you know, because, because the point was that if they blew up, they could barbecue and eat them you know so 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 uh, skipping a step so we would just be sitting in a meeting and one of my colleagues would go goats you know or uh, exploding goats yeah. that's it exploding goats and we just fall about the floor with fits of laughter you know so yeah um, and it's sort of you know it's sort of being in that situation it sort of i don't know crystallizes a lot of things and uh, makes you appreciate things a lot more um you know there's a lot there's a lot that goes on in that sort of situation and of course yeah, you of see course. and of course you see a lot uh, you know you see a lot and you know you have to uh, a lot that you can't walk away from uh, there's a lot that um you know you need to process there's a lot that and it makes you at times question humanity and what people for example, doing the name of religion, um, you know, so there's a lot of sort of uh, that going on as well. Yeah, so you've talked a lot about kind of things that you've taken away as in more of an internal sense. So our next question usually, which I'm sure will be very interesting for you, is things that you've physically taken away from places. So souvenirs that are weird or odd, or maybe other people think are weird, even if you think they're normal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can think of three things that come straight to mind. Go for it. <laughs> um, yeah, on my first visit to China, uh, I mean, I was very fortunate uh, to go to China before it became commercial. So I'm talking about late 80s. I think I must have been one of the first few um, uh, tourists. Well, I was there for uh, meetings, but tourists to go there. And um, yeah. I remember bringing back a six-foot stuffed panda. Okay. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I've I've still I've still got it. I got it for my children. Um and it was six foot, a sitting panda, and it was stuffed. And yeah, it was great fun trying to sort of um uh ferry that back. Uh and then then there was a oh god, in Mombasa in Kenya, uh I exchanged my colleagues Aston Villa socks. Uh, for a six-foot wooden uh, giraffe. Okay. <laughs> Are you always collecting giant animals? Is that a trend? No, not necessarily. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, that had to travel with me in the uh, in the uh, aircraft. Uh, that unfortunately <laughs> has sort of uh, broke at some stage. <laughs> uh, but it was great fun because I think the stewardesses found it incredibly funny. But yeah, it was mm -hmm. fun to try and push that through um, the scanners at uh, <laughs> at the transit airport. Um, and then the last one I think was from Afghanistan. I mean, that was um, uh, I was an honoured guest, so they decided to give me a bejeweled uh, pistol, you know, as a wow uh, uh, antique pistol. 
yeah, try getting that through customs, um, <laughs> you know, uh, post 9-11. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got caught at the first thing and they made me put it away. Uh, you know, uh, I managed to get my way through the first sort of checkpoint. And then I realized that instead of leaving it this way, you know, sorry, flat, if I turned it upright yeah. and made sure that that was the way it went through um, uh, the scanner, it wouldn't be noticed. Yeah. So <laughs> please don't tell anybody, but I smuggled, <laughs> smuggled a, a, a antique. Look, it was it was the uh, it wasn't working. It wouldn't work. It was an yeah. antique, okay. But so I don't feel guilty about it. But um, uh, <laughs> it's just uh, it was just an interesting story, you know. It was it, it was yeah. it was wooden, and it had a lot of pearls in it. You know, it was quite ornate. You know. Uh, do you still have it? I do actually. I do have it. I I keep meaning to have it sort of mounted and put up on my wall somewhere, but I've never really yeah. never seemed to get round to it. You know? Well, maybe that can be your new like COVID project is to try and figure it out yourself. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. Uh, you ask you ask me about what my travel habits are, uh, whether mm. I travel solo or it depends. I mean, it depends. Mm. Um, most of uh, you know, and it also the sort of way you travel depends on who's funding. Um, I mean, I know that when I was doing aid work. Uh, or working with sort of certain countries, yeah, you go for the cheapest way of traveling uh, because it's government money. Uh, but then I sort of got an amazing uh, five-year contract with um, a, a consultancy with a certain, um, um, a certain government department, and their rules were, oh, but you've got to travel business. So yeah, I got I got mm. incredibly spoiled at that point for five years. I mean, uh, it was only traveling to Pakistan and back, but I was doing it at least I would say every two weeks. So uh, wow. so yes, the air miles really racked up. You know, <laughs> uh, just put it this way: we managed to go. Uh, the family of four managed to go to South Africa for a safari holiday. Uh, tot in business class, totally paid for by miles. That is brilliant. That's like a travel dream right there. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it does. And thank you for bringing it back to that. I definitely got distracted by all the cool things that you've done. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, <laughs> and now I'm going to ask you about some more. So uh, if you'd like to share your tripping up travel story with us, a time that um, travel was interesting and you want to share it with everybody. Okay. Uh, okay. Um... I think I think it's it's document. The first thing is that you know, um, I, okay. The first thing I'd like to talk about is that uh, I was actually booked on one of the planes that went into the Pentagon at nine on nine eleven. Um, wow. So you know, it's it's not a funny story, but it's a travel story. You know, it's a story that. Um, sort of makes you realize about maybe about the fragility of life, makes you realize about, uh, you know, why you do all of this, makes you realize a lot of things that, hey, I could have been one of those people that, um, uh, uh, you know, went in, I think it was uh, American Airlines 77, if I recall. And um, yeah, it just, it just brings all your travel and everything into perspective at that point. Uh, so that was, uh, that's one thing. But the story that I really wanted to tell you was, um, you know, uh, was my first time going to Afghanistan. You know, we went in six weeks after the after the um, liberation from the Taliban, and we had a specific um, task, which was to set up a radio station there. Uh, Look, whenever you do anything like this, you spend a lot of time researching, making contacts. Uh, working out how to go there, assessing all the risks, everything. But this time, nothing. You know, we were we were winging it. Uh, we didn't even know how to get in to uh, get into Afghanistan. Uh, so we landed up in Islamabad trying to work out. I mean, at one point we thought that we were going to probably have to go across the Karakurums with, um, uh, you know, on the back of donkeys with all our equipment. But uh, no. We found out that the UN were running a flight. So we managed to wangle our way onto this flight. The next thing was, well, where do we stay? I mean, you know, it's not as if you can go onto Expedia and say hotels in Kabul and book one. Uh, it wasn't like yeah. that. So we managed to find a guest house. But then the only way of contacting them is by satellite phone. Now, we didn't have one of these luxury phones that work anywhere. These satellite phones, you have to be outside in line of the satellite for it to work or to receive a call. So we managed, just managed to get through to this guy who happened to run the guest house that the BBC were. And he said, yeah, come along. I've got a place for you. 
We didn't know the address. It cut off before he told us. I couldn't get, I couldn't <laughs> get him back. And so I said, okay, let's go, guys. And off we went to Kabul. So we're on the plane. We land at Bagram Airport, well, Air Force. And first of all, you know, Bagram was the center of all American activity in the region at that point. So it's probably the most highly guarded place in the universe at that point, you know. So we, we land in the middle of this airbase, American airbase. And, you know, oh, my God, uh, it, was, it was pretty amazing. I mean, you know, I didn't even know, but they had a McDonald's, uh, uh, sorry, a Burger King there as well, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. uh, but, uh, but we landed. Uh, my, the first thing I remember is getting off the plane and my colleague who was an Afghan, who was my interpreter, just turns into the Pope. He 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 kneels on the floor and starts kissing it, uh, because because you know he was so glad to have got rid of the um, Taliban and the fact that this was wow. now a free Afghanistan. He he was moved to kissing the floor, so I drag him off off the floor and we we then sort of look at um, how we're going to get to Kabul. We're about fifty odd miles away at this point, and. Um, I had assumed that there would be taxis. I had assumed that there would be some sort of, uh, you know, uh, way of getting there. No, nothing. You know, the, the other people on the plane with us, you know, these uh, these uh, buses would come or cars would come onto the tarmac. They'd get in and they'd go off. Everybody's gone. Uh, we are, uh, you know, the planes turn around, gone back to Islamabad. And there's just my team of four of us standing there, like, you know, total lost sheep on the tarmac with the Americans getting very twitchy because we're in the middle of their, you know, a live airbase. So we, we have no idea what to do next. Somehow, somehow we manage, I, I dispatch my Afghan to go and find out how we can get get to Kabul and this rickety old bus turns up um, and we pile in and off we go. We get stopped. The first thing is we get stopped at the at the exit and they ask us for our credentials. Uh, I'm about to, um, uh, I give my passport and details across and the Afghans who are our driver and his assistant get really offended by the fact that we are there their guests are being, uh, you know, subjected to this. So there's a lot of shouting that starts. And suddenly it gets totally out of control. And these, uh, these um, trigger-happy Marines, uh, you know, <laughs> start getting itchy. And I, I, find, I find these red laser dots, you know, the, the darting all across our, us, you know, uh, <laughs> so, and the shouting is getting louder and louder and louder. And we, you know, the, the Afghans with us are getting agitated that this is an insult. And we, um, uh, uh, you know, and nobody's prepared to back down. And the Afghan, uh, sorry, the Americans are not going to let us out unless we give them the papers. Somehow, somehow we diffuse this. But, you know, it, we were only a, a few seconds away from being uh, being uh, shot, you know, at that point. Um, yeah. wow. but, but it gets better, you know, it gets better. Uh, we, uh, the road from Bagram to Kabul was littered with all these sort of burnt out tanks and everything like that. And it's a single road. 
a single sort of uh, uh, carriageway. And we're sort of hurtling along, and I'm noticing all these red stones on the side. Uh, casually ask, what's that? Oh, oh, it's where there's minefields, and they haven't been cleared yet. Fine, not a problem. We're on the road, not a problem. Then suddenly, on the horizon, two trucks. They're racing one another. You know, on this, so there's two big Afghan trucks racing towards us. And neither of them, you know, Afghans just don't have this idea of failure or, you know, they see us. But then would you believe if any of them is prepared to sort of back down? No, no, no. It's not in there. So the race continues and suddenly they're hurtling towards us faster and faster. And at the last minute, they're still doing that. And our driver has no option but to swerve the car off the uh, road. In uh, past these red stones into the middle of the minefield, oh, and we brace ourselves, waiting for the explosion, and silence. You know, <laughs> silence. Thankfully, wow. nothing happened. I mean, that's one point we did uh, sort of burst into giggles as well, because what what yeah. else can you do? You know. Um, uh, okay, we then arrive at Kabul. We have no idea where we're supposed to go because I hadn't managed to get through. By this time, my satellite phone has run out of batteries as well. So there's no way I can find oh, no. out. And um, so what does one do in this situation? Well, being ex-BBC, you go to the BBC studios. <laughs> so we went to the BBC. Uh, they wouldn't let me in, but after a lot of negotiating, was let in and, uh, you know, I was allowed to charge my phone uh, for 10 minutes. And that was it. That's all they were going to allow us to do. Uh, I mean, come on. I mean, I'm a fellow Brit. The least they could have done is offer a cup of tea, you know, after all this journey, <laughs> after this horrendous journey I've had. But no, I did try to remind them that, uh, you know, it was my license fee that was um, paying for their, uh, you know, wages and being there. But I resisted. Uh, I'm, I'm, I was proud of myself. I just charged my phone <laughs> and went out um, and managed finally to get a hold of the guy, got the address and turned up. So, yeah, that's, I, I, I as I said, I find that incredibly funny uh, in retrospect. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily so at the time when you're living it, but, um, you know, it was, it was reasonably funny. <laughs> I think the best stories, though, are funny in retrospect and not at all funny in the moment. Like, um, I was trying to think of a travel story to tell you in response, because obviously I've not lived anything near what you've lived. Um, but I do actually have a transit story as well that's a bit of a nightmare. Um, so similarly, I, I was living in New Zealand um, about a year ago. I took a year off, didn't feel like going to law school, disappointed my parents and took off to New Zealand. Um, and I was actually working for the New Zealand government. And I took a weekend holiday to go visit um, the wild blue penguins in Dunedin. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're like the smallest penguin in the world. They're 28 centimeters okay. tall. So they're the tiniest thing. Um, and you can see them just on the beaches in this very Southern town in, uh, in New Zealand. It's one of the few places that actually gets snow in the winter. Um, so very exciting to go there. What I didn't know is that it's the tiniest town. So it's probably one of the smallest towns with an airport. So I show up, 
assume like much like you did that cabs would exist that there'd be some way for me to get into the city um i'm not 25 yet so i'm not allowed to rent a car and i also don't i don't know how to drive on the side of the street that new zealand and brits use um because canada we we're like americans we don't know any of your things um well you drive on the wrong side of the road yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's not our fault you know i mean (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's not my fault either, but it is definitely someone's government's fault. <laughs> um, yeah, but so I show up and I'm ready. I'm also, I'm very used to traveling. I often take buses from airports. Right. So I think, oh, no worries, no cabs. I'll go get a bus. It'll be fine. Um, but this bus stop that is on all the postings, that like there's signs for it. There, It's supposed to exist on the side of this highway doesn't exist so i'm like dragging a suitcase down a gravel road through bush that like you should definitely should not have been walking through on the side of this small Mm -hmm. airport um to the side of the highway and there's absolutely nothing there just like one car whizzed past me in 10 minutes um so i was like okay well guess we're gonna go back and try to find a cab and bless their heart someone at the counter inside managed to call a cab for me they took me to my (laughs) flight to the airbnb i was staying at but for me the worst part being a newly employed person who didn't really have a lot of money um i didn't know that the need in the the airport is so far from the city it's a hundred dollar cab ride um yeah and i budgeted about like maybe 200 bucks for this weekend excursion. I thought it'd be super cheap. I'd be staying in this Airbnb. I'd cook my own food. I'd be so stingy. <laughs> uh, and then within uh, the three-day weekend, I managed to spend $400 on taxis to get to and from the airport and to and from the Penguins. <laughs> so definitely should have looked into travel and like transit a little bit more in that scenario. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the, the, the bit I didn't tell you about that story was that when I came mm. out of the BBC, there was a major fight going on between my colleagues and the drivers because they were wanting $200 each for each of us to have traveled. Uh, They were insisting, you're BBC journalists, you have a lot of money. What they didn't realize, we were poor aid workers with no money. (laughs) So, so yeah, uh, I could, I could, yeah, we, we were, I have a similar sort of a, it, it did diffuse itself in the end. And I think we got away with about, um, I believe it was $75 each or something like that. But, um, uh, but okay, um, yeah. no, uh, they were insisting it was going to be 200 each to start with. Oh, yeah. goodness. Yeah, I think people don't realize how easily that can break your budget on a full trip, especially if it's for business where like someone else also is going to have to look at this later and then ask you what the hell you were doing that you managed to spend this much on one ride. Uh, Nina, it's even worse because... Um, uh, because w- uh, the problem is that Afghanistan at that point and war zones particularly don't have cash points, you know, you don't have ATMs. Oh, yeah. So the only thing you can do is to carry the cash with you. So if you start running out of cash, you know, it's good. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we, yeah, we do often have to carry a fair bit of cash with us as well. But um, that was the bigger problem was that, uh, you know, if we start splashing the cash around, we're going to um, run out before we finish what we're supposed to do. Yeah, of course. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I was very lucky that at least I could pay with credit cards. So I didn't have any cash I was dealing with. Oh, God. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just going to say, um, so we're going to move on to kind of the end of our story segment and go on to the listener mail. Okay. 
Um, so this was a story that was sent in by one of our listeners to our Gmail account, okay. trippinguppod at gmail.com. Um, if you wouldn't mind giving it a read, Wasim, um, it should include a title and then the person's name at the end. Okay. This is a story which has been um, titled Wrong Bill. I was traveling to, I was traveling in Mazunte, Mexico, somewhere my husband and I go all the time. I arrived first. The hotel arranged for someone to meet me at the airport with a sign. You know, the typical airport driver that meets you in the exit. My trip was fine, but my husband's went a little differently. Hmm, I wonder what. Oh, okay. <laughs> my, my driver headed back to the airport armed with the, with the name Bill and the promise that I'd pay upon his return. Since my husband didn't have any potatoes yet, Bill knew the system. We'd done it before, uh, but apparently the name isn't as rare as we thought it'd be in Mexico. A driver came up and called out for Bill. There was no sign, but Bill assumed it was just somewhere in the car. So he got in. The driver takes off as normal. It's only when they're halfway to the destination that Bill notices they're going in the wrong direction. Long story short, he wasn't abducted. Turns out he'd he, he'd stolen another Bill's cab, whose wife had a similar arrangement. He had to get taken back to the airport and to find his actual driver. In summary, check the first and last name before you steal someone's cab. And this is sent by somebody called Melissa. No, I mean, Nina, haven't, haven't you ever been tempted? Honestly, when you come out. Uh, I mean, I know when I went to, um, when I was actually on that amazing sort of business class thing, uh, I'd always have a um, sort of chauffeur-driven car waiting for me and, you know, to pick me and drop me. But when you're traveling otherwise, have you ever been tempted to say, hi, I'm I'm the person you're looking for? And oh, <laughs> you know, when 100%, you're... <laughs> yeah. Yeah? The only, the only thing that holds me back from doing it is that I don't always know where the person's going. So it's like, I want to make sure I then don't have to pay for a very expensive hotel I wasn't otherwise <laughs> expecting to pay for. <laughs> no, no, no. I think, I th yeah, it's always been a temptation. I mean, it's always honestly been a temptation. And I might do it one day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please, if you do, you'll have to come back on and tell us about it because we'll be very excited to know how it goes. <laughs> I, I, but I do, I do think that like having a sign makes your trip feel even it could be like your friend meeting you at the airport, but someone having a sign with your name on it makes you feel so important. You know, we, 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 we uh, I mean, look, you could edit this next bit out if you feel it's uh, across. No worries. Uh, uh, we, we once did that. We had a colleague called Charles Fletcher, uh, who was this really uptight Scotsman, you know. So we stood there uh, with a sign at one airport, I forget where, with Charles Fletcher, Big Boy Productions. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love it. Yeah, so as I said, you can drop that if it's over the line. But No, I think that's got to stay in. I mean, my sister tried to do that to me. Um, I studied abroad in Glasgow, right. actually. And when I came home, her initial plan had been to have a sign that said, welcome home from prison. <laughs> um, because... <laughs> God forbid she let me come home normally. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could, I could see that. I could see that. But 
our idea was to sort of embarrass him in a crowd. You know? Yes. So, so, yes. <laughs> yeah. Of course. I love it. That's been amazing. Um, so after we've talked about all these travel mishaps, I thought we should kind of round it out with something positive. Um, so do you want to tra- tell us something that you love about travel or a positive moment that you've had to remind us why we put up with all of this? Uh, um for me it's for me it's like look travel has enriched my life tremendously and i'm very fortunate not only to you know even some of these places are place places where other people might not necessarily want to go it it was a pleasure to go there because i was there a part of history you know so when you're there you know when uh, you know um, it's and you feel it, you're feeling you're part of history, you're making history in a way, you know. And so, yes, I've been very privileged to do that. And in my, uh, you know, it, yes, I have had a few holidays as well, which have been also enriching. But they're always, they've always been things where if I've been there on a job, I've always wanted to go back, for example. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love these, um, uh, you know, I found the travel i've been incredibly fortunate i've met some amazing people i've learned a lot and you know um i can't i can't thank uh, thank god enough for it you know that's brilliant yeah and i think that's really important like travel isn't just about um, going on vacations. It's its really a part of your life and it changes who you are. Like I remember I moved to Italy when I was 16 and I was the quietest kid before that. Like I didn't speak at high school. I was very lucky that I was in a drama school. So the first year was mine. So people just thought I was really in character. Um, but I went to Italy, came back and I have not stopped talking since. Um, <laughs> Nina, tell me, yeah. tell me, you said you did drama. Were you ever a treat? Yes. Oh, always. Everyone's been a tree if you're a drama student. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was. You see, I was a. I was a. Uh, I was a drama student as well, mm-hmm. and um, but that's when I realised I wasn't cut out to be an actor, because I was not being a tree. I was just being me, holding my arms up at a ridiculous <laughs> angle. Yes. And so. Are you going to tell me you were a tree? Oh, God, no. I, I wish I was. There was like one girl in the class that was the real tree, and the rest of us were all fakers. <laughs> it's, it's the reason I've moved on to writing, because I realized I couldn't act the scripts. I might as well design them instead. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, similarly, I decided I'd move into uh, from acting into directing, because <laughs> I felt you know it was better to tell people to be trees than to be one yourself you know? but but you know i'm not going to make any comment about uh, you know uh, about um, the rest of my colleagues being wooden actors <laughs> i love that. that's a very good comparison i wouldn't have thought of that <laughs> love it thank you Wasim, so much for joining us it's been very enlightening learning all about your stories and we hope to have you back someday uh, Nina, look, the pleasure's all be mine, and I'd love to. Um, uh, I'd love to come back. I mean, there are a lot of other stories, of course, but um, I guess if I told you some of them, I'd have to shoot you. <laughs> well, we'll try and avoid that for now. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. It's been fun reliving some of those. Attention, passengers. We've now reached our destination. We hope you enjoyed the flight and have a nice day. Wow, Asim is incredible, isn't he? I don't know if I would have been able to handle guns aimed at me or even a dead cell phone battery. 
I mean, I can barely handle it when my cell phone dies in Covent Garden, much less in Kabul. <laughs> if, like me, you desperately need to know more about Wasim and his time in Afghanistan, you can purchase his book. Good Morning Afghanistan is a compelling thriller that shows the power of media. After 9-11 and the fall of the Taliban, Wasim headed a group of local and foreign journalists to develop Afghanistan's first uncensored radio station. They succeeded despite technological difficulties and threats to their lives. Good Morning Afghanistan is a story of hope, of the impact that just a few people can make to the lives of millions. I'll provide a link in the description for where you can purchase the book in the UK. Alternatively, it's available wherever books are sold in your country. Thank you so much for joining us for our first episode. Be sure you don't miss out on a full season of incredible, awe-inspiring, funny travel stories. Make sure to subscribe on your podcast app of choice. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review to really help us out. Cheers! Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.